Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The Do Big Things Podcast, where we want to inspire you to do big things. This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing, a service for ultra runners from beginner to elite. Not only can we get you trained up, but we can also crew you into the finish line. Find us at big-things-crewing.com. Now, here is your host, Adam McRoberts. What's up, guys? My name is Adam. This is the Do Big Things Podcast. Uh, I have a great guest for you guys. Again, uh, Travis Soares, who not only set a humongous FKT, he is FKT of the week. Um, For the uninitiated, that's fastest known time, he climbed the Sierra Peaks section, which is 247 peaks. He did it in 117 days. Uh, up till sh- up till this year, nobody has climbed all of those peaks in one season. And he did a monster, monster push where he averaged a couple peaks a day and crushed 247 peaks in 117 days. And most of these are 12,000, 13,000 foot peaks. Um, a bunch of 14ers in there. So we're not talking about little mountains. We're talking about some some big ones. And uh, he's got just a crazy story. Um, He's a humble dude, as most really good athletes that I have on this show are. So you almost have to pull the stories out of him. But I I appreciate that about him. Um, You know, he isn't someone who wants to get on social media or podcasts and brag about what he did. But um, if I beg him over and over and over again, eventually he'll come on and share some stories with me. And uh, I really enjoyed talking with him. Uh, seems like a really good guy. And um, and stick around to the end of the show because I asked him about his highs and then his lows. And his low is a pretty crazy story. It was pretty nuts. Uh, a story that I've yet to have on this show. It was it was pretty wild. Um, but definitely worth checking out. Definitely worth sticking around all the way to the end of the show for. Um, and uh, yeah, I just appreciate you guys being here, tuning into this podcast out of the million podcasts or so that are out there. 
um, like to thank sponsors uh, Bigger Than the Trail, Athletic Brewing, Alter Ego Hats, and Exoskin. I have discounts for all their gear and merchandise at the end of the show. Uh, by supporting them, you are supporting us and use our discount code because then they know that I sent you. I'm on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash do big things. Our website is big-things-crewing.com. Um, yeah, that's the quick version right there. So let's just get into it. This is a really cool episode with a humble dude who just had an enormous summer. <laughs> just a monster, monster summer. So let's get into it. Mr. Travis Soares. Um, sorry, man. After the technical difficulty, let's try this again. Uh, <laughs> if you don't mind, uh, give us an intro, tell us who you are and tell us, uh, what you did for 117 days, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so hello, my name is Travis Soares and, uh, I guess I'll start with a bit of my background. I'm from Rhode Island. Um, and I grew up basically running cross country and just being out in the woods and um I went to school out in Arizona where I learned how to climb and began bouldering and then began trad climbing and then worked my way into alpine climbing and that's what really spoke to me and being out in the mountains and running around and so um which I've been doing pretty much since I graduated in 2018 just been living in my van and climbing and earning enough money to get by during the climbing seasons. Mm. And so for the SPS project, um, I was approached by Jason Hardrath and Nathan Longhurst who both climbed the Bulgers last year. Mm -hmm. And basically they had noticed what I'd been up to last summer and uh, asked if I wanted to, to join on this adventure in climbing the whole SPS list in a single season, which had never been done. Um, And yeah, so basically SPS stands for Sierra Peak Section List, which is 247 of the most iconic, prominent, tallest and classic peaks of the Sierra Nevada, which spans like 400 miles north to south, um, all the way up to Tahoe and all the way down to like Owens Peak. Um, and that was in October that they reached out to me. And so we started planning and, um, basically started researching all the mountains. And at first the idea wasn't, it didn't speak to me as much because I like to just kind of follow, uh, aesthetics of mountains rather than like a list. Uh, I had a lot of questions like who made this list? What is it all about? But I basically looked at all the mountains on the list and uh, it seemed like it made sense to me. It seemed like it had some pretty rad peaks. And so I just, yeah, I decided to, to say yes. But this was a solo project with, with just you, wasn't it? Or were Jason and Nathan involved somehow too? Yeah. So actually I worked with Nathan quite a bit. Um, and Jason, he didn't really like, he just kind of put the team together but Nathan and I together and then Nathan and I um basically took it on together um yeah yeah and he so Nathan started a little bit earlier than me 
because mm. he's a skier so he skied about 70 peaks okay and then i started with him in april and then we climbed about 180 together and then nathan finished so he became the first person to finish the list okay. with a okay. time of 138 days and then um i went back and ran all the peaks that he skied and i finished with a time of 117 nice and that is the fastest known time. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you just got the fastest known time of the week too. Yeah. Yeah. They, the, the, they reached out to me and told me that I got FKT of the week. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I mean, you climbed 247 peaks, at least you get that right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm honored to, to be, to be chosen for that. So it had never been done in one season. How long, what was the fastest or, and what's the average time it usually takes someone to climb all these peaks? Yeah. So since 1950, which is when the peak list was created, it has only been completed by 81 people. Mm. And uh, usually over the course of like a lifetime of right. climbing, um, and I've heard mixed things about the fastest that it's been done. I've heard the lowest that I've heard was three years. And uh, I've also heard five years. Okay. Um, and yeah, so basically that, that was the, that was the appeal to me for the, for the list, just to see like what was possible mm. and to see if it could actually go in under a year. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it turns out that four months is is uh as fast as I can do it at least <laughs> for sure and so were you averaging a couple peaks a day yeah yeah I, we averaged about two peaks a day okay. um total and then there there were some days that were just one because it was like just one pretty remote peak mm -hmm. that you could just only do it by itself and then there are other sections where you could do five to seven because you're following like a ridge line mm -hmm. like in the palisades or uh, evolution. Okay. And these are pretty substantial mountains too. They're like 12,000. Most of them are like 12,000, right? 12, 13. I saw at least one of them that was 14. Yeah. I wish I knew the exact numbers. There's 13, 14ers, and then okay. lots of 13s and 12s. Okay. Yeah. And generally, where are you starting your climb? Is it at 9,000 feet, 10,000 feet, or what was the average there? Yeah, the Sierras are nice because a lot of the access is pretty high. You can usually get up to like seven or eight, sometimes nine. Nice. Um, but for like our elevation game, gain uh, average weekly, it was about 50K, it seemed like. And the the total for... The project was 730,000. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's like impossible to even wrap my mind around. It's just hard to even imagine. <laughs> um, so, okay. So backing up before this big adventure, you said uh, Jason Hardrath, who I've had on the show a couple of times, great guy. Yeah. Yeah. And Nathan as well. Um, they reached out to you and, and proposed this to you. What were you up to beforehand that you grabbed their attention? Uh, yeah, it was around last year that I started diving into the world of FKTs. Okay. And so I started out in Joshua Tree 
with a climb called right on, which is pretty much the tallest multi-pitch in Joshua Tree. It's about four pitches and it's rated five, six. And Jason had the record on that and I heard about it. And uh, I think his time was like 40-ish minutes. Um, it's a pretty short climb. It's only like two miles. Um, but uh, I had climbed that quite a bit and figured that I could go faster. So I just decided to go for it. Mm-hmm. Even though I knew about Jason and like I knew that he was like a world-class athlete. So I was a little intimidated to try to go for his time, but ended up breaking it and then Jason basically took notice and he gave me a whole list of other other things that I should try that summer and so I ended up doing quite a few other FKT routes such as like the Tuolumne Triple, Mount Kness, Matterhorn, um, just a lot of stuff in in the Sierras. Okay. Um, yeah. And why the Sierras? Um, is that just the place that you've landed to do most of your climbing while kind of living in the van and and sort of dirtbagging it or um is do you have a draw to that area of the country or um what's your connection out there yeah I remember first reading about the Sierras when I was in high school and I picked up a John Muir book and um I loved the way he wrote about the mountains and that that basically stayed with me for a while um in high school because in Rhode Island, there aren't any mountains. And so those, Mm -hmm. those are like the first mountains that I ever heard about. And so they, they kind of captured my imagination. And then when I went to school in Arizona, we took a trip uh, for class. We did an an Alpine mountaineering class um, where we basically climbed Mount Canass and Bear Creek Spire and like learned how to, you know, move through the mountains. And that totally blew my mind. Um, and then I would just go back to Yosemite Valley every year because it has awesome climbing. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just a really nice place to be for a, a van dweller. Like the weather is really nice. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> so that's, it's, it's always, yeah, been one of my favorite places to be. That's cool. How long have you been out there? Um, I've been, I first arrived like in the Sierras like 2015 and then basically I've been coming back every year. Nice. And then these past two years, uh, I basically spend more time here than, than in the past. Sure. Yeah. I live in Colorado. Have you spent any time out here? No, but, uh, that's next on the list. I'd like to to check it out. Yeah. (laughs) Dude, you got to get out here. There's yeah. You would be in heaven for sure. Yeah, I'll have uh, to let you know when I. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, please yeah, I've, do, man. I've already started working on a list of, of the uh, of things to do out there. Nice, <laughs> nice. Um. Okay, so you discovered FKTs and then fell in with Jason Hardrath, and Jason Hardrath has over a hundred FKTs. And you know, one of the cool things about this sport is, um especially with people like Jason, there's not a lot of secrets. Like if you break his record, he's cool enough to reach out to you and say, Oh dude, you should do this one and this one. And that's one of the coolest things about this sport. But uh, before that, were you doing a lot of running? Are you an ultra runner? Um, what were you up to before that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Going back to what you said about Jason and how supportive he is. That's one of my favorite things about this community. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And yeah, if, if anyone is interested in tackling the SPS list, FKT, reach out to me because I got lots of ideas of how it can go faster. I'm sure. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be psyched to see someone uh, try to go for it. But yeah, I, 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 so yeah, I was more of a runner in high school. And then once I started climbing in college, um, I got really fond of that sort of activity as well. And um, then I basically realized that when you combine running and climbing, it's like one of the most fun things to do. Mm-hmm. And so I started like running to the local bouldering area to meet my friends there, which was like maybe like an 18 mile round trip. Oh, wow. And it was just so fun to run and then climb. And then there was also like another little crag that had some pretty easy, moderate, uh, climbing that I could just run up to by myself and just get a whole bunch of climbing in and and then we also had like a 300 400 foot crag um in our area that um I started running to as well and then climbing moderates there and so um basically just really have enjoyed the the style of running to to a a climb and climbing and then running back and the Sierras is one of the best places that I've found for that because uh yeah you can just run there's tons of trails and it's just easy to run off trail too Mm. and there's tons of ridges and just awesome climbing yeah um have you done any races have you done any ultra races or anything like that or is it just not really your thing i i did do a race uh, my freshman year of college it was a marathon um the whiskey row marathon in prescott and i ended up running half of it barefoot I was really into barefoot running. Um, and, uh, yeah, I didn't, it was fun. I didn't really train too much, but ended up getting like seventh or something. Wow. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I haven't really raced since then. I actually do have a race coming up here in mammoth, um, uh, which is a 50 K and yeah, so that's something that I'm, I'm more interested in now. Yeah. To try. Yeah. That's cool, man. Um, again, that's just another welcoming sport as well. Like, I think that you're probably going to do well and probably make a lot of friends right away in your first race. And it'll just kind of blossom from there. That's how most people's ultra career is. Um, well, was this FKT, this big project of yours, was this supported or unsupported? Yeah. So technically it was supported. Um, but Nathan and I were pretty much self-supported the whole time. Like our rest days was basically just up to us to do our laundry, food shop, figure out the logistics of getting to the next trailhead. We didn't really have a crew or anything. It was just us. Um, But it was supported because we're together um, helping each other, which I think just counts as like having a pacer. And then also we did have, two resupplies um of just our friends come into us and bring us some food for one of our longer trips um so yeah technically it was supported but we did most of the basically everything else by ourselves sure yeah and did you have the van were you using the van yeah we we took both of our vans so nathan also has a, a van um 
and uh, which we use to set up shuttles or yeah okay gotcha and then like what was the longest time you were out in in one period like i know some of these mountains are pretty remote and uh they they're not there's not easy access so you had to you know probably travel on foot to get back to a lot of these things yeah our longest trip was 12 days in the backcountry um we entered the evolution range via south lake and basically climbed like all the major peaks in the evolution range including including the evolution traverse which was really fun um and then hiked our way uh south over to like the palisade area and then climbed the palisades and that was probably the hardest trip of the project um every day was either like a 12 hour day at the minimum or more likely it was like a 14 to 16 hour day mm. just because of how rugged those mountains are and and how deep they are okay. um so that that was definitely the toughest period we ended up climbing uh 48 peaks in about 15 days whoa <laughs> and <laughs> where are you sleeping what are you eating what are you carrying with you um what are some of the details there yeah we basically just brought like a traditional like backpacking kit um i'm also a through hiker um so i have like sort of like lighter gear or Mm -hmm. i'm just uh, more familiar with that type of uh travel um and Nathan also has backpack quite a bit. So definitely like knowing how to do that was uh, in our favor. Yep. Um, so we, we went pretty light on the gear and just pretty heavy on the food. Mm. Uh, lots of food. <laughs> it's probably a good thing. What kind of stuff were you eating out there? Like, did you bring a cooking stove? Are you cooking or is it just like living on cliff bars? Yeah, I brought a stove um, and yeah, usually I would have like oatmeal for breakfast and then bars throughout the day. And um, I I grew, grew quite fond of this uh, Velveeta mac and cheese. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, yeah. It has that like really dense cheese packet. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, I, I ate so much of that stuff that there was like times when I would be sweating and smell myself and my sweat kind of smelled like the cheese. So I'm like, Oh man. <laughs> uh, overdosing on Mac and cheese out there. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I try to eat like 6,000 calories a day. Wow. Wow. Cause you're burning. I mean, it's impossible to keep up with what you're burning. Mm-hmm. Did you lose a lot of weight out there? I did at first and then my body sort of stabilized throughout right. the project. Yep. Yep. And what about water? Are you just filtering water along the way and dipping from streams or um, are you resupplying back in town or what did that look like? Yeah, thankfully there was lots of water. Okay. Um, and so we kind of just drank as we went and um, I don't usually filter the water up there because it's pretty high um, and, and really, really clean in, in my mind. But, Good. So yeah. no issues there? No Giardia or anything like that? 
no no thankfully not (laughs) good good um so how did you prepare for this i mean just looking at a task like this 247 peaks uh, it's hard to imagine insurmountable like how do you even approach something like this is it one of my favorite sayings is how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? I mean, is it as simple as that? Just like start with peak number one and okay, we're going to do this one tomorrow. Or did you have this mapped out and planned out and know which order you were going to go in or how did you approach this? Yeah. So Nathan and I started planning in October using um, like CalTOPO and I also use Gaia GPS and Thankfully, there's lots of good information about the Sierras. They've been pretty much all explored. Like all, all these peaks have been climbed multiple times. And so there's good in- info about them on sites such as like Summit Post. And then also RJ Secor has written a, an awesome guidebook to the mm-hmm. Sierras, which has like lots of information about class, uh, um, yeah, uh, passes and um, what class the each like sides of the peaks are rated and so basically we strung along um, route plans um, that made the most sense to us starting from like Mount Whitney area we we basically did like a whole loop around the entire range so from Whitney we went south to the southern Sierra wrapped around the mountains then went north to the western side and basically did one massive like loop so we wouldn't have to drive back and forth um and had like our route plans figured out um basically yeah before we before we started and from the beginning were you planning on setting the fkt like from like were you planning on beating nathan's record from the very start well i guess not because he wasn't even done yet when you started right yeah Honestly, yeah, I I kind of went into it just taking it one day at a time, and I wasn't even sure if I was going to finish. Um, and I figured I would just try my very best, and I was I was just I would just be happy to to finish it all. And um, I knew Nathan is like an amazing athlete, and uh, he was very driven, and so I figured at the very least I would just you know hike with him and support him to the end was sort of like my goal um and then once Nathan got to the end I only had like 70 peaks left and then I was kind of like well I guess (laughs) I guess I could finish this too yeah Yeah. Uh, so yeah I was kind of just staying present taking it one day at a time and enjoying the adventure (laughs) and then on those last 70 peaks were you primarily by yourself yeah yeah, those were pretty much all by myself. So that had to have been a big difference going from climbing with someone every day to all of a sudden now I have 70 peaks by myself to do. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and it was kind of nice as much as I love Nathan. I really also enjoy being being alone and that the amount of peaks that I had left and time that I had left was like kind of perfect just to to be alone and reflect on the whole experience. Mm. When did the fastest known time come into your sights? Like, was it when you and Nathan went separate directions or when did you start thinking about it? I think right about when I hit halfway. So like 123 peaks, 
um, is when I realized that I might actually be able to finish because if I could climb 123 peaks once, then maybe I can do it again. And uh, so that kind of felt like it felt like the whole time before that I had been like pushing out my boat slowly, like into the ocean, you know, um, and but looking back at shore, like being like, well, I could always head back it's not too late but once I hit halfway it was like time to commit to just heading out on out into the the ocean and seeing what happened wow wow (laughs) um you mentioned earlier that you live in your van and you just kind of make enough money to uh be a climber so I'm curious like um was this um did you have sponsors to to support this or um were you just kind of living hand to mouth or like what do you do for a living yeah so typically i typically i go to work in uh big sur um like chopping wood and um and uh earning money that way and then also leading um i go back to prescott college and lead a backpacking trip there and cool so i work certain gigs throughout the year um but for this project specifically, um, there's a fellow named Dan Cervelli who has climbed a certain amount of SPS peaks. And he um, he basically reached out to Nathan and I and said that he would be willing to financially support the project. Wow. Um, which is incredibly, I'm incredibly grateful for and just astonished by his, his like, yeah willingness to to give and support us um it made a huge difference i don't think i would have been able to fund the project without his help Mm -hmm. um and uh so yeah we both owe a lot to him and so he basically yeah supported us financially and he also ended up creating the website that we we use throughout the project with the live tracking and we sent him photos and trip reports and he would he would update the website that way and what's the website so it's sps2022.com and um i'm still writing trip reports that i didn't have time to write so um it's not too late to like log on there um and find trip reports or just like scroll back through the whole the whole whole thing yeah are you writing trip reports for every single peak I mean, that's a lot of trip reports. (laughs) Yeah. uh, At first we were, but then basically uh, it took too much time or energy. And so now I'm going back and writing just about the ones that were like the most impactful or just like cool experiences or yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Okay. And this guy that sponsored you, um, did he have any sort of motivation in doing that? Or was it just out of the kindness of his heart? Yeah, I think he just, I think the SPS list means a lot to him. And now he lives in New Zealand and has a different life. And so he can't really um, do those things anymore. And so I think he just wanted to live vicariously through Nathan and I, and also just saw the potential that we both had and with a little bit of extra support and direction what we could do and um yeah i'm just so grateful for what he did and he's actually going to be coming out here to visit uh, nathan and jason and i 
uh, in a couple of weeks. So we're actually going to be able to meet in person for the first time and maybe go climb a mountain. So you've never met this guy? No, we've only just talked like on online. Holy crap. So I'm just, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> extremely generous of him. Totally. Wow. That's unreal. <laughs> um, what are some of the standout days for you? Like favorite peak or favorite day or favorite adventure? Like when you look back on this thing, what are some of the high moments? Yeah, I think the one of the craziest um, experiences of the project was definitely that that 12-day backpacking trip from the evolutions into the palisades and then ending with the palisades themselves was was quite an adventure um basically we we climbed we traversed the the skyline over the course of three days um and the skyline is very rugged it includes six of california's 14ers and it's very technical climbing, but it's also really, really fun. Um, and both, uh, yeah, both those days were, were just like really, really long days. And we actually ended up getting benighted out there too, which we mm. didn't plan on mm. and uh, got to know each other more, uh, just cuddling. And uh, I always bring like a little bivy sack just in case. And so we had to like cuddle in a little bivy sack at like 13,000 feet <laughs> and no food. And, <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, <laughs> had to keep on going and, and, uh, yeah. So that was, that was a wild experience. I've personally been in situations like that. I mean, what, what, were there ever times where you were wondering if you were going to make it out of this thing? Yeah. Um, I definitely like had never pushed my body that far and I didn't know how it would hold up. Um, But it's kind of amazing what the body can do with even just a couple hours of sleep. Uh, Somehow it just keeps on going Mm -hmm. if you tell it to. Um, And yeah. So prior to this, what was the biggest thing you'd ever done? Had you ever gone out on a, uh, well, you said you're a through hiker, so uh, you've, and, and obviously a climber too. So I know you've got some experience, but like, is there anything that compared to what you were up against on, on this big adventure? Yeah. The longest sort of like journey I'd, I had ever gone on was the Appalachian trail, okay. which I hiked in 102 days. Oh, wow. Um, and so, yeah, we're averaging maybe like 25 30 miles a day Mm. so that was really strenuous on my body um but that was also a great learning experience and learned skills that translated into this project but it was also it's also easy just to kind of like tune out and follow a trail and whereas this project you kind of need to be focused every single second when you're off trail or on technical terrain you can't really just like zone out and follow the white blazes. Mm-hmm. And so that was definitely, it was more challenging to, to, to like navigate and make everything, you know, kind of work out. Mm. How reliant were you on um, like your Gaia GPS or were you guys sort of winging it out there? 
yeah, we basically, we used our GPSs quite a bit when we were out there to figure out like where we were, um, how we were doing along our, our route. But there are definitely times where we planned out a route and had to had to change our plans just based off of the nature of the mountain. Like um, as great as the information that we could find on the mountain, some of it was just either like straight up wrong or um, yeah, just the, like basically if there was like a fourth class ridge that we planned on climbing and realized that it was like mega loose and looked really sketchy we would have to sort of change plans and maybe go up a gully that's to the right that's like third class but looks a lot better and Mm -hmm. so we did like a combination of sticking to the route plan that we had and then having to call audibles here and there um or just if we like saw something that we were like inspired to go do um like a really fun awesome ridge that had like sweet climbing then we would just go check that out thankfully Nathan is also a climber and so we were kind of able to like keep up with each other and enjoy fifth class terrain even though it wasn't the most efficient way it was uh mentally it was more fun and good for our morale (laughs) for sure yeah um it sounds like it sounds like a blast, man. It sounds like fun. It's like just the dirt bags dream living in a van and going out and bagging as many peaks as you can in a short time. Like to me, that's the dream life, you know? Um, I'm like, you kind of touched on it, but like, what were you carrying with you on like that 12 day, uh, push, um, like food and a bivy and, a little bit of clothes, like warmer clothes. And did you have any like uh, luxury items that you were carrying with you or were you just down stripped down to absolute minimal gear? Yeah, I brought, um, actually I brought this, this pack that you can see behind me. Um, and I brought a tent. Um, Nathan didn't bring a tent, but I brought one just so we would have one. And cause there were, there were also storms forecasted for that that specific week um so that was kind of my luxury item the tent and um and then yeah also having a stove as well um but yeah since that since that link up was a little bit more technical I also brought approach shoes Mm -hmm. um instead of just like trail running shoes so that I could feel more confident moving over the rock and uh yeah I always like to bring tea too because sleep is important and some sort of like sleep aid uh really helps me um at night something to look forward to tea as a sleep aid yeah yeah i bring like bedtime sleep sleepy time tea or whatever it's called okay Uh, Okay. so most nights you're boiling tea yeah yeah i would always make tea yeah. basically no matter how tired I was nice make some for Nathan as well okay <laughs> and I'm also just trying to picture this like at night are you in a tent reading a book or jotting down notes or is there no time or energy for anything like that yeah no it was basically like as soon as we made camp like we're just going straight to bed yeah um, and then waking up early the next day 
and moving all day long um, until we get to camp and go into bed again. And yeah, there's not, wasn't much time for like hanging out. Um, there were a couple shorter days where we were able to like take our time and swim in a lake. Um, but those were pretty rare. Yeah. Any rest days? We took about eight, I want to say eight or 10, like full days of rest. Okay. That's a fair amount. Yeah. Which is pretty good. But, um, even the rest days weren't that restful because we had to grocery shop or do laundry and, or maybe drive a couple hours to the next trailhead. Um, and so sometimes rest days could actually be more stressful than just like being out in the mountains. Mm. Um, but, but yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) It just sounds like an awesome summer, man. I mean, I'm jealous of, of the whole thing. Um, what did you, how did you grow up before this? Like, I'm like, how old are you, Travis? I'm 26. Okay. So are your parents still around? Like, how were you raised? What do they think of you uh, uh, doing this? Like, um, what's your family life like? Yeah, I basically grew up in like kind of a classic suburban family. Um, My parents aren't really that outdoorsy. I don't think my mom has ever slept outside before, Mm -hmm. but my dad, uh, we used to go camping with him um, like every summer just somewhere out in Rhode Island or New Hampshire or Vermont. Um, But I don't know, somehow I just knew that I wanted to explore the mountains more. And I was pretty angsty, like hippie kid who got suspended from school for not wearing shoes because I, I didn't like shoes or like would skip class to go hang out in the woods and uh, just read like Thoreau or uh yeah and so I was just like kind of a weird kid who knew he wanted to be outside and didn't really quite fit in yeah um and thankfully my parents were very supportive of of what I wanted to do and didn't really try to force me into their vision of my life and so they ended up sending me on a Knowles course out in um Wyoming which was 28 days backpacking and that sort of blew my mind and um and then I heard about Prescott College which where I studied uh wilderness leadership and um basically like class out there was just being outside and learning how to move through the mountains safely and um and so yeah (laughs) how did the Knowles course uh blow your mind how did that change things for you yeah, I basically realized like how much like how much space there is out in the world. Like since I was from Rhode Island and like the East Coast, everything's kind of like uh, crammed together. And I just felt so alive out there. And I think I think when I was like growing up in high school, I was maybe a little depressed because I I felt crammed and uh, wanted to like roam free. And so when I got out there, I realized just how, how awesome I felt and alive and how much energy that the, the natural world gave me. And, um, also just connect, I, I, I connected with the other students on that trip 
even though it was only 30 days long, I crafted bonds that like have lasted years and even more so with like classmates who I've known for much longer and just how the natural world kind of facilitated that was really impactful to me. And I really, so I really enjoy like as much as I like being alone, I like going out with other people too and having those experiences because it really fosters a sense of connection with your, with your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. What do your parents think about this? Like, have you been able to thank your dad for those camping trips back when you were a kid to sort of, uh, you know, show you the way and, and, and show you what your true interests and passions are in life? Yeah. Yeah. I, I owe them a lot um, for being supportive and I've tried to, to repay them by, uh, now bringing them on adventures. So when they came out to visit last year in Yosemite, I, I led them up a, a three pitch five, six climb called Swan Slab Gully. And, uh, like led, I, I left like pieces of gear or like my aid ladder so that they could like pull up so they could get up the climb. But, oh, wow. uh, so they, so now I I can repay them the favor by like showing them, uh, you know, these places and doing it safely. And, and so they actually, they actually came out and visited me, um, for my last, my last mountain. They, they came out and climbed it with me. It oh, was wow. an easy, an easy, uh, 11 mile hike on trail. Um, and it was really special to have them come and share that experience with me. Wow. So they know what you did. They appreciate what you did. They're there to support it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah. My brother is 20 years old and my sister is uh, 24 years old. And they both came out as well and hiked the last peak with me. And um, they're they're not like super into being outside, but they will, they will, uh, if I get them motivated or they're with me, they'll just like follow along just to, <laughs> to appease me. <laughs> For sure. I know what that's like when I have yeah. family and friends that come to visit me in Colorado. I'm like, come on, we're going to go up a mountain. And they're like, what? Yeah. really? Okay. <laughs> Why? Yeah. What's the point? <laughs> Um, where I'm just curious, like where you see yourself in, uh, five or 10 or 15 years, or do you not think that far ahead? Yeah, I definitely like, I finished this project sort of realizing how much potential that I have. Yeah. Um, and just other people in general, like how much we limit ourselves mentally is, is kind of wild. Um, and then once you start to break down those barriers, you realize that if you really want to, to strive towards a goal, then you can make it happen if you just take it one step at a time and just really put all your energy into it. We have really deep reservoirs that we rarely tap into. Um, and just exploring that within myself, I think, is is uh, something that I want to do, just whether it's through the modes of mountains or just yeah whatever it is really like I just want to kind of explore my limits more and it just so happens that mountains are the way that I chose to do that I think anyone can really can do that 
um, through, you know, anything. <laughs> um, sure. And so for me, yeah, I'm just, I'm more excited to see what's possible in the mountains and keep pushing my own limits and also just exploring new, new areas and seeing, seeing what other beautiful, beautiful landscapes are out there, like in Colorado, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I've heard, yeah. I've heard it's quite beautiful out there. So just, yeah. I'd like to explore more places. And you're signed up for an ultra ultra marathon. So, uh, you know, it sounds like, um, yeah, you're pushing your boundaries and that's just going to feed into this lifestyle that you're living. You're going to be able to run farther into more remote places or run up things faster. Um, just however you decide to push it. And it sounds like the mountains have a real draw for you. Like you have a real connection just with um, the Sierra mountains, obviously, but the probably just the mountains in general. Um, do you have a connection like that with anything else? Like some people are really drawn to the ocean as well. Or, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is like, you love doing things in the mountains. Is there any other things that you're thinking about that are on your radar that you might be able to go out and push your boundaries, push your limits and, and learn more about yourself? Or are you just kind of going to stay in the mountains? Yeah. Yeah, actually. Um, yeah. You brought up the ocean. The ocean I think is that other sort of like uh, space that I really also enjoy exploring. Cause since I'm from Rhode Island, I, I live, pretty much like a short walk from the ocean I've always had a special connection with it and uh, I go hang out in Big Sur um, around this time of year and that's where I I've been learning to surf and uh, spearfish as well and just sort of explore explore the depths of the the sea is yeah also like a really cool cool place okay (laughs) Um, are, are you much of a surfer I, I'm not very good at it, but I've, I've been starting to learn um, and it's pretty fun. Yeah, it is fun. I've only, (laughs) I've done it very, very few times and I totally suck at it, but like right away, I was almost just like, I understood it. I understood the lifestyle. I understood how people get drawn into it. I I loved everything about it. So, and, and spearfishing, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't eat, um, meat unless I, uh, unless I shoot it, I I do hunt, um, like quail and, uh, small game such as jackrabbits and stuff. And then also, yeah, fish is quite plentiful in the ocean. And so, um, I haven't, haven't hunted or fished in a while. And so I'm definitely like starting to crave meat again. And so I'm Mm -hmm. excited to, to go do some more of that (laughs) nice um so you won't eat fish unless you spear it or catch it yeah yeah okay Okay. i like that (laughs) um what about low points while you were out there like it sounds like there was barely time for sleep there's no time to sit in your tent and read a book um were there any points where you're like just getting frustrated with just going too hard or, or I don't know, low points because of weather or um, I I don't know. What's your experience there? What's the biggest low points you had? Yeah. The biggest low point um, is actually quite, quite a, 
heavy experience. Um, so Nathan and I were um, in Sequoia National Park at a trailhead out there climbing some peaks and we pulled up to a trailhead um, late at night um, and there was one other car in the parking lot and uh, <clears throat> so we just pulled up and went to bed since it was late and we were trying to get an early start for the next day and Nathan went out into the woods and slept and we were just using my van on that trip and so I slept in my van and in the middle of the night I woke up and opened the door because it was um, pretty hot and then uh, that morning at about six o'clock um, I heard a, a footstep on on my uh, my my step and basically woke up and saw this woman enter my van um, and she walked out when she saw me and I just was trying to realize what was happening and she came back in and um, basically charged straight at me um, and lifted her hand up like she was about to like throw a baseball over her shoulder and I saw that in her hand she had a, a knife Ooh. and uh, um, thankfully my body just reacted before I really knew what was happening and um, I caught her hand and uh, like got up and pushed her up against the van door and said like stop like like what are you doing and she just kind of like hissed at me and just had like a crazy look in her eye um and so I just dragged her out of the van and uh pushed her away and told her to leave and she ran back over to the car that was parked which had been there the night before and then she drove off um and that was really hard a hard and traumatic experience for me to deal with uh because I often feel feel safe out in the woods and mm -hmm. the fact that it had happened at a trailhead where I spent a lot of my time um was really um uh, just hard for me to deal with in the next couple of days I would kind of just break out crying because I couldn't really get the image of her standing over me and like wanting to do me harm it was just like really tough and uh, I had to re rely on Nathan quite a bit to to like help me process and um, at that point I wasn't sure whether I wanted to keep going or not but I figured like the mountains are the best place for me to go because that's where I've always gone when I'm experiencing like you know hard times and so slowly I just got more and more used to it um but that was just like a weird experience <laughs> wow that's insane yeah. I, I know man like when I talk to like for instance co-workers who find out I spend a lot of time in the mountains one of their first questions is like aren't you scared of crazy people in the mountains? And the answer is always no, because there's, to me, I've never seen that, anything like that. And uh, there's way more crazy people in town than there are in the mountains. 
but um that's horrifying man that's scary um it sounds like she, obviously she must have been struggling with some sort of mental health or something mm -hmm. like who, yeah who knows what she was up against were you able to get a license plate or report it or that's just a, yeah. it's a crazy story man yeah and i really yeah just i'm glad that she didn't do many harm do me any harm and I'm, i also feel really bad for her at the same time like she's probably struggling with a whole lot of demons and stuff that i don't understand but um i called the 911 and they transferred me to the rangers and they ended up stopping her at the gate um and then they drove me down to like identify her and it was her and they found the knife and i guess sent her to the hospital to get looked at and then sent her to jail and um i haven't really followed up with what's happened um but yeah i hope she she like kind of figures out her life and doesn't do any harm to anyone else jeez did you get the sense that she was like homeless or living in her car or um what kind of vibe did you get there it's weird because when she came in to my van for the first time and saw me she said oh sorry and then left um and then it came back in five seconds later with the knife and so I don't know if she saw a van that was open and wanted to rob it and just like grab whatever she could, but then saw me and was like, oh, well, if I want to steal, then I need to like get this guy out of the picture or, or what. Yeah, I just I can't really imagine what she was uh, thinking. Wow. That's insane. And did you have any sort of a um, interaction with her when you identified her or was it just done from a distance? Because I imagine you had to have been freaking pretty shook up at that point still. Yeah, they, they kept me in the, in the Ranger car. Okay. Um, and uh, I did just like look at her and try to look her in the eye to see if like she would look at me, but she, she didn't mm. like look me in the eye and um yeah so wow unreal man um how are you doing yes. with that now has that, how are you doing with that now has that settled or is that still sort of a, a haunting memory it's so difficult for me to sleep without my van being locked mm. um there have been nights where it's like unbearably hot. So I need to open my door and I just build like a little barricade in front of the door For sure. <laughs> to make me feel better yeah. about it. But, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just interesting how like the most dangerous event of the project happened, you know, like at the trailhead involving mm. humans. Mm. Um, yeah. Crazy. How far in were you at that point? I think that was around peak number 50 so maybe okay. like a month okay and did nathan hear or see any of this uh this like the scuffle or any anything that happened yeah as i dragged her out of the van i yelled to nathan and he ended up coming out of the woods um just as she was like walking away so he didn't uh see any of the the scuffle but 
he saw her and like he saw her drive away and stuff wow um yeah <laughs> that's nuts dude <laughs> yeah, pretty weird <laughs> wow wow and um not to make light of what happened but um did you climb that day <laughs> yeah yeah we went okay. out and thankfully it was like a pretty short day and uh um at first it was like kind of tough for me but I also just like needed to go out and move because that's I'm how sure. I process things yep. um and then uh yeah so wow still went out that's nuts. Um, did she have a big knife? Was it a little knife? It was about four inches. Wow. Okay. So like if I hadn't really woken up, like, I don't know, she probably could have done some damage. I'm sure. Yeah. Wow, man. That is nuts. I didn't expect a, a low story like that. I thought maybe <laughs> yeah. you get caught in a thunderstorm or something. <laughs> That's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> I haven't really like spoken much about it. And this is the kind of the first time I've like talked about it kind of in public. Um, But yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to walk away from the experience feeling like more empowered than like uh, wanting to like tuck it away because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day I did like somehow manage to defend myself, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm really thankful that my body was able to do that. Yeah. Uh, And so, yeah, I'm sort of just trying now to like speak about it and you know wow and uh be okay with it yeah 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 it's like you want to speak about it but you also don't want to shed a ton of light on it either and like yeah you know yeah i don't want it to like take away from the rest of the the project totally wow that's crazy um what is uh life for you like these days um how long ago did you finish this project it was about two weeks oh wow so pretty recent Mm -hmm. are you back to work um you're living in the van um are you just planning next projects or what what does this next stage of your life look like yeah i've got a couple couple like smaller fkts or just like adventures that i i want to do in the next few weeks and once the temperatures cool down in the valley maybe a big wall or two mm. um and then i'll be headed headed home to visit with my family for a little bit and attend my friend's wedding mm. and then uh then yeah it's back to work in big sur earning okay. money and, and uh training for the for the next project <laughs> nice nice yeah <laughs> What does training look like for a guy like you? I mean, I imagine it's just you getting outside and moving your body every day, or do you have anything specific you're doing like pull-ups or body weight squats, or did you ever go to a gym? Yeah, I used to, uh, to try to use like a training plan, like with weekly mileage. And, um, every time I've done that, I've gotten injured. Maybe I just don't know how to, uh, how to make one properly, but I've just found that like just doing whatever I'm psyched on, whether it's a climb or an FKT, um, basically gets me in shape for like whatever sort of bigger goals that I have in mind Mm -hmm. or I'll like start to, if I, if I really want to do a, an FKT that has lots of technical, climbing then maybe i'll just climb more 
Mm-hmm. Or if it's more of running, then I'll just kind of like run more. For um, sure. So I kind of keep it loose and just listen to my body. Okay. Um, and also try to maintain an element of fun too, like, and not take it too seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's hugely important. And, um, probably a fine line you have to walk with, uh, the calling of the FKT and just going out and having a good time. Like, um, it sounds like you're fast, but what appeals to you more like climbing fast or running fast or, or neither? What what are your thoughts? Yeah, that was one of the biggest challenges of the project. Um, in order to go every day, all day, you kind of can only go 75% mm. of what your body can do. Cause if you go beyond that, then the next day you're sort of trashed. Yep. And I really love going a hundred percent. Um, <laughs> like a, just like an all out sprint involving like and also with like an all out sprint climb. And uh, so that's sort of the stuff that I'm looking forward to, to doing more of. So shorter FKTs. Yeah. I like short, like more of like sprint or just like all out efforts. Okay. Something you can get done in a couple hours or a day. Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. Like a couple hours. Okay. Do you have any uh, set projects that you definitely want to do in the future? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've definitely got some ideas of some things. <laughs> I know uh, most people kind of like to keep a lid on that, and I, I totally get it. But um, it, it, like when you get your mind on an FKT, is there fear of someone else coming along and doing it faster, sooner, or... Um, like, I'm just curious, like, it sounds like you're being quiet about your plans in the future. Is there a reason for that? Um, yeah, yeah. I think, um, maybe part of it is just, uh, I feel like if I speak about something a little too soon, then, then maybe, uh, since it's out there, then I might feel obligated to do it rather than kind of letting it sit and like boil within me and like building the stoke and um making sure that i'm like 100 percent psyched to do it rather than uh if i speak too early about it then it's kind of like oh well i said i was gonna do it so i have to sure but rather that rather like being like oh like yeah like now i'm gonna go for it now it's time um so when the time comes yeah i'm cool cool that makes total sense um how how stoked were you about the Sierra project beforehand? At first you said you weren't sold hundred percent on it, but then the idea, it sounded like it just kept brewing in your head before peak number one. Um, were you pretty pumped to do all, all 247 of the peaks or what were your thoughts on like day one? Yeah. Yeah. I had, uh, I had like, since we heard about it in like October, I have a couple months to like really let it stew and think about it. And um, it just sounded like the coolest way possible to explore the Sierras in a short amount of time. And that was really like my main motivation just to get to know the mountain range on a more intimate level. And um, just every day, you know, I would learn more mountains. And uh, so every day was making progression along building that relationship whether it was uh 
I would end up completing the whole project um, or not. It was just every day was like such a gift Mm. um, to just be able to, to do that. And, and so, yeah, I think my, my still kind of built as I went, Mm. um, especially like, because you can see a lot of the peaks from, um, from all the high points. So you can see like where you've come Mm. like, Oh, I climbed all those peaks like a week ago. And now I can see where I'm going. I'm going over there. Like, Oh, sweet. (laughs) Um, and just like all the different sub ranges, like from top of Mount Whitney, you can see like the Kauias and which have like a beautiful skyline. And so Nathan and I were psyched for that. And then once we got there, you can kind of like see like the Palisades and you're like, Oh, like we're going to be climbing out there like pretty soon. Mm. Or, Or you can start to see like the peaks of Yosemite and then you're like, Oh, we're heading that way. And so just like, it just, it became, I became aesthetically motivated just by being out there and seeing yeah. all the mountains. Totally. Totally. Um, a long time ago, like another lifetime ago, I climbed all the 14ers in Colorado and there's like 58 of nice. them. And when I got back from that trip, someone at, I think it was my sister actually that asked me, um, can you name all the peaks? And I was like, yeah, I could probably name them all. It might take me a couple of minutes, but I could get all 58 of them. Um, just out of curiosity, if like, if someone held a gun to your head and said, I need the name of all 247, it, would it even be possible? Like, I'm just like, that's so many peaks. Like, could you name them all? Do you remember them all specifically? I, I honestly don't think I would be able to name all of them. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, I imagine with that sort of number, they just sort of blend together at a certain point. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And as well crafted as the list was, there are definitely like some peaks that um, were just like a little bit more forgettable than others. For sure. Um, And so they all kind of like meld together. Okay. Um, If you could give like a percentage of how many of them you were on an actual trail and how many of them you were off trail and just bushwhacking. um, Do you have a guess for, for something like that? Just so that I can picture what this looked like. Yeah, I was trying to, think about this the other day i think maybe like 50 to 60 percent was on trail okay and then maybe like 40 percent was off trail okay okay yeah well dude so badass i mean congrats on just a huge huge accomplishment man i don't know it would be tough to beat this one like (laughs) i don't know if you can go much bigger i guess it's possible but um and it sounds like you're more interested in the shorter, faster stuff, which is totally cool. Um, but yeah, congrats on just a, a major accomplishment. And um, um, I got to ask like a really elementary question. Uh, what kind of shoes were you wearing out there? Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks. Um, I was using ultras. Okay. Um, for most of it. And then I actually started using Topo Athletic. I don't oh, know if okay. you're familiar with that For brand. Sure. Yep, yep. Kind of like similar to Ultras. Um, I I found that they hold up a little bit better. Okay. Um, for me, but. Do you know how many pairs of shoes you went through? Yeah, about seven. Seven. <laughs> and like one pair of approach shoes the whole time, or did you go through a few pairs there too? Um. Yeah, like one and a half pairs okay. of approach shoes. Okay. <laughs> Dude, badass, man. Super awesome. Super huge accomplishment. And uh, 
yeah, I just want to say thanks for, for coming here and sharing it, man. I, I appreciate it. And, and hearing your low point of the journey sounds like it was sort of gut wrenching to even talk about. So I, yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that and <laughs> glad you made it through it. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, what a journey this is. I mean, you're never going to forget it, right? This is, this is there forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Cool. Um, yeah. Thanks for inviting for, uh, me on. And uh, it was an honor to come talk. I actually downloaded a couple of your podcast episodes while I was out there and oh, cool. them in, uh, listened to a couple, couple good ones. So nice. Nice. Yeah. Honored to be, to be on the pod. Oh, it was an honor to have you. Did you listen to headphones a lot of the time out there or do you go without headphones most of the time? Yeah. So my rule with listening to music or podcasts is only on trail. Um, oh. So typically I, I don't, but if there are like some like long days um, and they're just like mindless trail miles and I don't mind. Mm, yeah. Cool. Well, thanks again, Travis. I really appreciate yeah. it. And, uh, I'll keep an eye on you. I can't wait to see what's in your future, dude. Yeah. I'll let you know when I'm out in Colorado. Yeah, please do. We'll hit something up. All right. Yeah. Have awesome. a great day. Cool brother. You too. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what we are doing at big things crewing, or you enjoy the podcast, please consider donating to us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash do big things is where you can drop a dollar in the hat, so to speak. I'd like to thank our loyal Patreon subscribers. Without you guys, this isn't possible. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'd like to thank our sponsors. First of all, Exoskin. Their running apparel keeps you comfortable in absolutely any condition. Say goodbye to chafing and blisters. Check them out, exoskin.us. Use our discount code, capital BTC, for 15% off. I also want to tell you guys real quick about Bigger Than the Trail. Bigger Than the Trail is a 501c3 tax-exempt organization that is using trail running as a platform to advocate for mental health. If you've ever thought about getting therapy but aren't in the position where you can afford it or you don't have insurance, Bigger Than the Trail offers you free therapy for three months. Yes, you got it. I said it. You heard it right. I couldn't love what these guys are doing more. I signed up for it. It was quick. It was easy. Within 48 hours, I had a, a therapist that met all my pre-requirements. It was all matched up with me and met my personal criteria. And I met with her every week for, I don't know, a couple months. And, uh, you know, I, I, I met with her until I felt a little bit better. And, uh, you know, I'm trying this thing. You guys should try this thing. And, you know, we can all do it together. Look up Bigger Than the Trail. Sign up for the services and let's do the small things in life that eventually lead us to doing the big things. Let them know we sent you. Also, we want to thank Alter Ego Running. They make pre premium performance hats. Everyone needs a good lid or two when you're out running on an epic adventure. Uh, these hats should be your go-to on everyday runs, epic adventures, and just cruising around town. Check out Alter Ego Running. Use our promo code capital all caps, do big things, and that's for 20% off. Last but not least, this podcast is brought to you by Athletic Brewing, the finest non-alcoholic craft beer in the market. Check out athleticbrewing.com and use my discount code, McRobertsA20, all caps, for 20% off the finest non-alcoholic beer around. Enjoy the taste without the hangover.
Remember, guys, life is short. Do big things, baby. Pedro, take us for a run.